you're listening to Of Sights and Men with Benji and Jacob. A Daily Magician production. and men. Uh, today I'm joined by Benji and a very special guest who goes by the name of Luke Oastland. You might have heard of Luke's work or seen it in the past. It's extremely visual. Um, he's worked with people like Dynamo, Julius Dean, uh, Joel M. Uh, his creations are magic and viewed by almost one billion times, which is pretty crazy <laughs> across platforms. Now um, Luke is performing his mix of magic and comedy on stage in cabaret, at comedy clubs and in nightclubs. So quite the resume, Luke. How, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. It's pretty rainy in England. I don't know if it's even worse in Scotland. That's we had we had really bad rain uh, recently. Actually, we did a show like last weekend, and the whole place just flooded like right before we got there. Holy so everyone was like, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Like it was all right, but the, the carpet was really damp, and like. You know, like you know, like when something's wet and it's like tried to dry out, so it just smells of like yeah. smells of like skiing. I don't yeah, know if that makes yeah. sense, but like, yeah, and uh, it was just like damp and wet, and then people were, like squelching around trying to get to their seats. But um, we did a show and it was alright. You know. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, did you manage to do some trick with the water? You know, like. <laughs> no, well, we had it was actually it was quite cool. We had this like I'd never really seen one properly, like a wet vacuum. They gave us one. Oh, yeah, well, like, obviously, yeah. we didn't have to do it, but they were like hoovering up this. I, I, I just put on, how can you hoover up water? Like, it didn't make sense to me. Uh, <laughs> so, no. you, you want to see some real magic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, never mind about a show, you got to see someone hoover water. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was a weird. It was also, it was one of those like really weird gigs where I said, it's not even, it, normally we do it in a theater or like a comedy club, and it was in like right. the, the back function room of some golf club. So, it was a very oh, wow. bizarre place. Um, like, you had to, if you wanted to go, you had to really want to go there because there's no public transport to it. You had to drive there. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere but um and it was, it was flooded <laughs> yeah and it was flooded yeah it didn't really help but it was also like torrential rain outside whilst the show was going on so you could just hear it hitting the ceiling oh my gosh it was all right it was a show yeah it, you got it done yeah. <laughs> first well it is kind of a cliche boring question but i am actually kind of interested every time no well i am interested um not kind of i want to know luke where where did kind of magic start for you because honestly like looking at your instagram you kind of, I don't, I don't know if this is a bad thing or a good thing. I think it's a good thing. You, you kind of look like just like a, a classic British lad, you know, like you, yeah. you don't, you don't look like a magician, like from the outside. So, That's so where did, <laughs> where did that all start? Where did you actually And also how, please tell yeah. us how you do it. <laughs> how I look like a British lad or how I do magic. <laughs> yeah. well, you, know, you can start with it. <laughs> um, so basically I... I, I'm, I'm a very, I think, I think of myself as quite a British lad. I was quite a nerd at school, and then sort of when I left school, I started going to parties and stuff. You transitioned. Yeah, just, oh, I went through puberty is the main thing, right? Um, but uh, but I got into magic when it was, it was sort of, there was a big, uh, we called it the dynamo boom, because there was loads of magicians that got into magic at once, right? And I sort of, uh, I got really interested when, sort of, maybe around the same time, I think it was probably around the same time as dynamo came on TV, and then there was just a lot of magic on TV, right? Like, yeah, Penn and Ted had a fool us, and... Uh, I always had an interest in it because I, I knew it was a trick. I, I knew it was. I never thought. I never had that like, oh my god, it's real. I knew it was like, okay, he's doing something here, and it's blowing people's minds. That is the the coolest thing ever, right? Yeah. And I've always like, I've, I've loved like, uh, all my life, I've loved like making stuff, like whether it's just little bits of art or like some little sculpture or 
some little, <clears throat> I don't know, bottle opener or whatever. It's just some kind of little gadget. Like I've loved like mm-hmm. just making shit since I was, you know, for my mom used to call it the, the 6 p.m. Uh, call I do every day because when I was like mm-hmm. five or six years old, every day at 6 p.m. I'd go to my mom and be like, right, I need an egg box. I need 14 elastic bands. I need this and that. And I'd make like some little model plane or something. I, I never mm-hmm. played with toys when I was younger. I always loved just making something. Mm-hmm. And that was always my jam. And then I saw magic and I realized it's like, okay, there's a lot of building it behind us. So I got, you know, got a couple of magic sets. And I didn't really understand that people, I, I never really understood you buy a magic trick until I was like maybe three or four years into magic. I just thought everyone made their own stuff, right? Mm. So I'd watch videos of people doing stuff. magic. Yeah, it's, it's good, right? I'd watch people doing magic. And I'd be like, okay, well, how can I do something similar to that? I'd try to work out my own methods and mm-hmm. stuff. And I started sort of coming up with my own tricks, obviously not knowing they were existing, but I didn't, I didn't yeah. think of it that way. I thought it was, I just thought I was like, oh yeah, I just, I, I made up this trick today. People were like, well, you made this up. And I was like, yeah, no chance. And they'd be like, well, you didn't, but yeah, like, <laughs> I know I started showing magicians. So I got into it that way and then, and I carried on like making my own stuff. And I sort of found out about, um, so Tom Elderfield, I've known him since I was about 10 years old. And he, uh-huh. when I was like 13 or 14, I was showing him some stuff I'd made. And he was like, oh, you know, like people actually make money off of releasing magic. I was like, what? People, people sell their magic tricks. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sort of introduced me to like, you know, where you could buy stuff from Illusionist and Dear 11. Because mm-hmm. especially when you're young, like it seems outlandish that someone paid 30 quid for a, for a card that, yeah. I don't know, tears itself or whatever, whatever the trick is. Still sometimes feels outlandish to be fair. Yeah, it, especially <laughs> with, the, with the crisis that goes, going on and stuff. You know, I saw like little bits for 20 quid and I'm like, oh, I can't believe people are buying it. but you know it's they're buying the method yeah. or something and they're yeah. less than the, the problem I try to make my products look slightly pretty um but uh but yeah so and, and I got into sort of the idea of producing stuff and when I was about um when I was about 14 15 I sort of stepped out of performing magic I had no interest in performing I just wanted to probably when I was about 14 I just wanted to create right and I think because mm-hmm. a lot of my friends were older were consultants I was like man that's cool mm-hmm. you don't have to you don't have to worry about the fame or anything you just you just love magic and you come up with magic. You know, I've seen people like Tom Elderfield and Harry DeCruz and, and, and all these mm-hmm. guys. And then um, and I sort of surrounded myself with like the illusionist lot. And then eventually I got into the idea of actually like producing or well, of releasing magic. So I released a lot of stuff mm-hmm. illusionist and then uh, and a lot of stuff of, um, uh, well, eventually through myself. And then pretty recently, about a year ago, I just went into performing like full time mm-hmm. over creating just for fun. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one of the questions we wanted to, to ask you about. Yeah. Now, having sort of like been in both fields, what I don't know, which one do you prefer? Why do you make a switch? Tell us about uh, it. Well, creating magic is really fun because you, if you do it right, you can make a lot of money in a very short amount of time. And back when I was like living at home with my parents, right, you, there'd be a month where you get you know, not like insane, not like life changing amounts of money, but you get like 5k in a month, right, from one release. And that's just, yeah. I remember like, um, my first check from Murphy's for, for the, the my sugar cube trick. I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is insane. And obviously you've got like no outgoings at that point. Yeah. Just other than, I think after that I bought, I bought a new car. I had a car. I sold it. I bought like a newer car when I, when I released that trick. And that's so my only expense was this car, which I was financing, which I don't have anymore. Um, and it just felt like the coolest thing in the world. And I also, I had the social media effect on a lot of people. So they'd see me hanging out with like a lot of cool magicians. Or I think a lot of people in the, the magic industry is he someone's actually probably like a, a z-list celebrity but they're a magician right and they see you hanging out with them like oh my god and yeah, actually yeah. i say you know i know yeah. i know a lot i know a lot of cooler people than than a magician that might have put something out of theory 11 once you know what i mean but like you, yeah. you never really see any of that 
Um, oh, yeah. And so, 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 yeah, creating is really fun. And also, it's nice to see people do your tricks. And it was actually um, Richard Young, obviously, runs the, the Magicians podcast, which is, mm-hmm. he's doing some cool stuff with that very soon. So, watch out for that. But um, he, uh, uh, he said to me, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like, Luke, when are you going to get into performing? Because you've got such a passion for magic and a charisma, and it's wasted on just, you're not even, you're not even posting the tricks that you create. You're just mm-hmm. selling them to people. Yeah, you've got a good point. And I'd always wanted to do, there's this one show idea I had called Drunk Magic, which I'd always wanted to do. I was like, it would be like a stand-up magic Because not a lot of people, not a lot of magicians go through the stand-up route because you, you don't really make money doing stand-up for the first four years or so, you know, two, three years. Um, I was like, I want, I want this like stand-up show where I'm getting absolutely blitzed on stage because like it's two things I love, right? Like I have a big passion for not alcohol. That sounds really bad, but like the the process of um, <laughs> the process the pro- of the process of like making drinks, like being with mates, mm-hmm. having drinks. I think I think is mm-hmm. you know even forget the alcohol, just like just having a nice evening with your mates, like like with like a glass. We, me and my friends were all into like just even like drinking wine and stuff like that. So it's a it's a nice thing to do, right? And I was like, okay, if I can do this this late night show, it could either go really badly or really well because either I could get up there on stage and not know how to handle these, you know, dickheads that are just drunk and and, and I saw so much in that show. Like I just would not expect people forget it's a magic show, right? Like I saw yeah. pe- people threw up on stage in my show in the audience. Yeah. Uh, people, I had to tell someone to leave because they were doing cat in the front row, just like just wow. doing bumps. And I was like, mate, yeah, I was like, mate, put it away, like. Like, I don't care if you're doing it, right? In fact, give me some answer. Show- no, don't answer. But like, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, just just put it away, right? Like, I can't, I can't see you do this because I don't have security at my show. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I've got like yeah. a tech. Sometimes, if I'm lucky, I've got a tech. Yeah. Um, my tech was actually a medic as well because it just it was like I want to kill two birds with one stone. Oh, nice. I, I needed a medic on uh, just to make sure I was all right to, to be on stage and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff for, for that show. Um, and so I was like, well, you can take it too. And then and it worked out that way. But, uh, but yeah, so, so I had the idea for that show for about like three years or so, uh, sort of during the pandemic. And I'd always wanted to take it to Edinburgh Fringe. I love the idea of you can do, you know, a show every day. It's like, it's like doing a tour, but you don't have to be a massive name to do it. You just, you're getting so much stage time at once. And then, uh, and I said to young, I was like, uh, to Richard Young, I was like, you know what? And I booked in Fringe and I did it today. I booked it in, just did that last year. That was a hit. And then that was sort of the moment I was like, I sort of already, I, I wanted to move to Edinburgh like before that, and I sort of I'd, I'd been there for about a couple of months, and then September came. I was like, it, I had one or two options. I could either move back home with my parents and sort of see if I could get into performing again on the stand-up circuit in London, which is very saturated. You know, there's obviously a, there's a lot more work. There's a lot more magicians and a lot. Of com- there's an insane amount of comedians in London. I was like, or I could give it a go in Edinburgh and just sort of try the whole like try to be a bigger fish in, in a small pond, and it's. It's getting there. Like, obviously, I'm still creating stuff, but the stuff I'm creating now, because obviously I used to have a membership, which I didn't shut down, but I stopped posting it because the stuff that I was creating wasn't visual magic tricks anymore. It's now mm-hmm. like, you know, it might be a joke. It might be a five minute long r- rant about a, like some joke, or it might be, I, I come up with a lot of stunts, right? And it's mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm like, I can't really publish any of this. And even if I could, it's not made for everyone. It's made for me to do on stage. You know, not everyone wants to to staple their their arm every night in a show. You know, like put it by. I don't mind doing it. Um, yeah. And so maybe maybe like in a couple of years, I'll get back to sort of publishing this stage magic and stuff. But it's, it's, I hate the idea of a magician buying a trick that says all comedy included. Like write your own stuff, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like every magician is a tribute artist at this point. Like 
write your own. If you did that in comedy, that's that's unheard. You get kicked off yeah. the circuit straight away for doing someone else's yeah. joke. But with magic, you can buy the rights to not only the magic trick, but you can buy like there's so many tricks. Obviously, not many people do it anymore. But the whole like built-in comedy thing, mm-hmm. you know, like managing bandana and stuff. Mm-hmm. People are laughing. There's not you that, yeah. Like you, you're not. How, how is that fulfilling? I don't know. I don't know it's just me. Yeah. Anyways, um, so I don't, no, I don't think I'll. I don't think I'll put any magic out for a little while after mm-hmm. after this book. I might put out mm-hmm. a book on stage magic or a couple of stage magic pieces, but I. I, I but a diff, the difficult thing is because, how did I get onto this? Anyways, what was the question? <laughs> the question was sort of like the differences between performing and creating. I, I, oh, yeah. I mean, per- perform. Yeah, yeah. Performing is is unreal. Like, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, people like I get that people get a buzz from seeing their views go up on on social media or see or getting you know getting paid for a trick that you've released. That's great. That's fun. It's a very living as a creator is such an easy life as well. If you're a full time creator, you do next to nothing. You, you you think about ideas, but to be honest, I the last two three years where I've been creating, I've been dilly dallying every day of my life, doing nothing, which is a dangerous thing to do. Um, obviously I'm creating stuff, but you know mm-hmm. we're talking like eight hours work a week just mm-hmm. for marketing not not even creating but it doesn't take that once you get a hangover it doesn't take that long like obviously to come up with like a banger you get like one every other one but like yeah it's not it's not much work whereas performing is such a as soon as you step on stage your the adrenaline is mental and it's mm-hmm. like a, it's a bigger high than anything um mm-hmm. so i prefer at the minute i prefer performing but maybe you know when i'm older i might i might retire and go back to just publishing material but but i think at the minute i'm really enjoying performing uh-huh. i briefly interrupt this podcast to uh just share a little uh self-promotion with you if i could um if you're enjoying what you're listening to right now um and you think that maybe you'd enjoy more of our content uh please head over to the dailymagician.com slash books there you'll find 24 classic magic books for free and you'll be signed up for our daily emails where you can hear and get more content just like this uh, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it so far. And uh, like I said, that's the dailymagician.com slash books. Claim 24 classic magic books for free. And you'll also uh, be getting daily contact from us with more incredible content just like this. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. We, um, I don't know, there's a, there's a magician that I found to be very influential in the way that I look at magic, Aaron Fisher. Um, I used to work oh, with yeah. him quite a lot. And he kind of categorized, he has this thing where he likes to categorize magicians in one of three groups. So it's like, this is obviously a little bit of an oversimplification, but you've got the mechanics and those are people that, you know, they learn them. They just like move monkeys, right? It's like They learn yeah. the secrets, they learn the methods and they just like, they just love to be at the table, just practicing the moves, getting as good as they can, just putting in those hours. Then you've got the sort of the thinkers, the innovators, the creators, and those are the people that just really love to create. And like, it's the ideas that fascinate them. And you know, I think of people like Rory Adams for this. That guy is just amazing. He's got so many good ideas. Yeah. Just, you know, idea guy all, all over. And then you've got the the showman, the performers. These are people who might not necessarily be even the best mechanics or the best thinkers, but they just get such a buzz from being on stage and interacting with the audience and, and performing. Um, so, yeah, it, it sounds like you would maybe find yourself leaning more toward that, that showman category. I just think it's interesting because usually people are kind of straight down the middle, one of those three. But it's kind of rare yeah. for someone to be like an excellent creator and then make that transition and also be, you know, an excellent performer at heart. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, it's, I think if you can perform and you can create, why not Why not do both? And you stand up from a crowd, you do your own stuff. Like, look at um, 
someone like Ben Williams, right? He's a he's a wedding performer, but he does like custom stuff for their wedding. Like he'll come up with ideas that you know, if someone says like, "Oh, I'm a I'm a guitarist," or something, he'll come up with a trip to the guitar and take it to their wedding and do like this sort of custom personalized thing for them. Like mm-hmm. if you can do that, if you if you can be a performer and you can perform the majority of it is your own material, like the vast majority, because I, th- I say the majority because I think you can take a trick and completely make it your own by, and Rory talks a lot about this, by just changing mm-hmm. the item. Like I, mm-hmm. I take um, a lot of classics and just try to put my spin on it, which isn't necessarily coming up with something new, but it's, it's different. like I do a, so obviously a card sword is a classical magic and it's a really good trick, but it's not really, like why have you got a sword? I don't, I don't do any card tricks in my show, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm doing a corporate walk around stuff, I do card tricks because, uh, well, because it's easier for me, and also it's easier for people to recognise you as a magician. If you walk mm-hmm. up to a table with a pack of cards, like it just it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I think the close up card magic really works quite well. But uh, in, in my stage shows, no, there's not uh, no, there's no, there's no card tricks. But what I have done is taken card trick plots and applied them to other things. So like um, like a card stab, right? Card sword where you mm-hmm. fire a pack of cards and catch one to three cards on on a sword. Great trick, but it doesn't. It looks weird, right? Like why have you got a sword? Like a fencing sword as well. Um, so what I've done is uh, I've actually joked my show about like how it's it's the card sword is a really lame excuse to make a card trick exciting. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. mm-hmm. there's a lot of tricks. Like I used to do the world's most dangerous card trick, right? Which is a thing with a bear trap. And it's a really first. It's a hard sell that trick. I like the trick. I performed it a lot. I've met Mario a couple of times. He's a great guy. It's a really cool idea. But mm-hmm. it's still a card trick. You know, it's it's a hard sell. To make a card trick exciting, anything like that, anything where you're, you, I don't know, card stab with a knife or or like lethal. Um, and I'm not sh- talking shit about these tricks because I actually really like like lethal is a really cool trick. And if you know some Bobby Motta's thing where you, you give someone this little plate to put around their chest and then you, it's it's the best card stab in my opinion. You throw up all the cards and you throw a knife at their chest, and then on the chest is this knife stuck out with it. That. that sounds it's, crazy. It's awesome. Like it, it almost made it to one of our shows, uh, to one of the, the theater show which I'm in. It almost made it to that because I was like, "Dude, this is this is cool. Like that's a cool card stab. It, it's funny. It's uh, it it gets like this audience member like on edge. It's quite which is in like a nice way though. Like they know they know what's happening. So it's like it's not the worst thing. But anyways, um, so I do I do a card stab, uh, card card stab, card sword, whatever. But I do a mouse chaps right, which doesn't make any sense. But I do I do a strip of mouse chaps to start with. And then I talk about how, because I'm vegan, I own a bucket of mouse traps because I think that every mouse trap I buy, I'm saving a mouse's life. Which the, the more you think about it, it, doesn't actually make any sense, right? Which is kind of why I like it. And I had this bucket of mouse traps come out, and like I, the spectator chooses one, they sign the back of it, and I set it, and then they toss this bucket all over me, and I catch one on my hand, and it's their card, which is effectively a card, a, a, like a card catch or a card stab or whatever, uh-huh. but with a mouse trap, and it is, it's just quite a nice um thing but i think uh, people can you people say oh i'm not a creator i can do it just change the items it's not difficult is it and then you're doing something original more or less yeah that's fair yeah Yeah, i feel like a pretty like basic definition of creativity is just like assembling things in an order that they haven't been in before yeah sounds quite a lot like what you're talking about you know it's like you, you don't have to make something you don't always have to make something brand new it's really like it's a buzz when you do make something completely yeah. brand new, <laughs> but you can also just assemble good components from different things and make them into something that's new. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. Like it's like it's like even you get like move monkeys to just combine moves, and that's still a very creative thing because you can create something new by combining. Like my uh, someone who's he's living with me at the minute, he's moving out, 
um, in a week or so. He's just, he's just been here for a while. But uh, my mate Yev uh, from Ukraine, he's he's a move monkey, and he everyone's convinced he's like this major creative. He's not. He just combines a couple of moves. Like he's doing this lecture uh, next week. He's like, well, I don't know what to teach because none of this is mine. I've just combined it <laughs> to make my own tricks. Um, which is, but it's like a Lego set, isn't it? You have all, you have everything you need, and you just build something new. Like you didn't, you, you can be a Lego creator without inventing the Lego brick, you know? Yeah, no, that's 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 a great metaphor. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested. Like I'm hearing parts of your shows. I don't know how much you want to give away. I mean, I like when I say give away, I don't actually mean the methods. <laughs> I yeah. just mean what's in the shows. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I'm interested to know like about like drunk magic and I think it's it's called immature magic. Is that the other one? Yeah, that's that's one of the new ones. And then yeah. insane magic is the other new one. So, so so drunk magic I've retired because I know it was just crazy because um, <laughs> but you just you can't. It's just well, what's the word? It's not healthy. It's uh, you know yeah. You enough. can't you can't do that on stage. Every like I had I had a detox the week after. I did a month's run of it and I had a detox after it and it was just intense. Um, but then the other thing is, if you're going to do a month's run of shows at a festival, you're going to get drunk every night anyway, so you might as well make some money off of it. Uh, but 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 this year, I've uh, I'm doing quite a few shows actually. I'm doing like I'm probably going to end up doing about a hundred gigs during the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is this wow. August. That's that's um, insane. Yeah, but it's fun. It's, you know, you have to do it. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, so, you know, like you, you're doing a month. You're like you're already doing. If you're doing one show a day, you could do four a day. You know what's the difference? Like, <laughs> you're still on stage. Was <laughs> um, so I'm doing uh, Immature Magic, which is my solo show, and that is a, a very stand-up heavy show. There's a lot of jokes and stuff, and there's actually not a lot of magic in it. It's mainly um, it's a lot of stunts, right? Which I, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but um, like weird sort of old like sideshow stunts, or just random stunts, and like like things you might see on Jackass or or something like that. Um, right. and basically it's not obviously it's not just a sound like it's got like a magic twist on it there's with everything there's something every trick i do in the show is like it's other than one trick is like it's first it's a bit like oh whoa how have you done that because the stunt and it's like a, oh hang on what's happened here something is like the mouse trap thing where i catch it and it's like it's impressive as a stunt because you're like whoa he's just caught a mouse trap you're like right. hang on how do you know it was that trap out of all of them that's the sort of magic twist and i'll probably use that trick as a as a as an example for a lot of stuff and then um so that's the whole sort of theme of the show and then and then there's, there's a kind of nice narrative and i explain why the show is called immature magic and, and, and all that jazz and then the other one's called um one hour of insane magic which we've done a sort of mini tour of and i think we're gonna next year we're gonna do a bigger tour if we can get a decent tour manager to, to, to book it all for us um but that's uh it's it's basically it's, it is what it sounds like it's a show just filled with the most insane stuff we can do so we all, uh, we, we sort of, there's, there's, I had the concepts for this show about a year ago and I sat myself down with um, two of who I think are two of Edinburgh's best magicians by far. Um, well, there's a lot of great magicians in Edinburgh, but these are just two of my, and I get along with them really well. And we, we all work very well together. And we've worked, we, we, we did a few gigs together and stuff. And then I just thought, you know what? I think we could create a really good show. So I had the idea for the name of the show and then um, and the concepts that we would do just the most insane stuff. So if someone went to, any kind of fringe festival or if we were touring it and they've never seen a magic show before or they want to see one magic show but they've only got a day to see one they see insane magic they're like okay well we can bring you you know forget about the narrative there's a sort of loose narrative but forget about that we're going to show you the most insane stuff you will see uh, here and it works well for 
not just fringe festivals, but ho- hopefully, and you know, sort of towards next year, it'll, it'll work in, in places like Glastonbury and, and other festivals and stuff as well, because I think it's it's all a lot of visual stuff. Um, and the one thing we were thinking about, the, the constant thing that came up in rehearsals and when we were writing and writers' rooms and stuff was, is this insane enough? Because we, we, we had to do all new material. We didn't want to do anything we'd ever done before. Uh, just And we had a lot of like little challenges, and it was just what's insane. So, you know, there's a couple of illusions in the show. There's... Um, uh, some like insane like mind reading things and uh, it's all just very mental you know um, yeah. that's a good show but that's like a, that's like a theatre show like you, no, that, that, that's nice you, you set the title so you kind of have to deliver right like exactly you, yeah you set the parameters so <laughs> you have to do insane magic you got no yeah, choice yeah yeah <laughs> um, it's a really fun show I think magicians will like it and I think I think laymen will will really like it um, which is good so that's the show and then I have uh, what other shows I'm doing. I'm doing like a lot of like spots, like guest spots this Edinburgh Fringe, and then I'm doing this thing called um, Comedy Cabaret Super Bill, which I I didn't really know I was doing, and, and someone booked me for it. So that's I don't really know what it is to be honest, but that'll be fun. And then, um, and I'm doing another show. Yeah, I'm doing another show every Saturday night uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe this year called Drunk Fringe, where, which I host, and I get five, maybe six, seven comedians and cabaret and burlesque and variety artists on stage, and I get them really twatted at, at my flat and then we do this gig and uh and everyone's a little bit <laughs> and it's just sort of planned carnage you know right and that's uh that's the other show and yeah so i'm doing quite a lot of shows this year but um but the main ones are uh, insane and immature that's what i'm sort of been working on the most recently it's awesome man how do you so how do you go about like in your creative process to like come up with these shows you know what i mean because i feel like close-up magic like coming up with magic effects for like I don't know, like, you know, for social media or, I don't know, card tricks. It's kind of like a, it's a very different process to, like, what will work on stage, you know? Like, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know immediately if it's not going to work on stage because, like, the audience will tell you, right? So how, yeah. how do you go about actually, like, coming up with these shows? Uh, so so we are we using Machara as an example because Insane, I actually only do, like, two tricks in. Um, so it's not pretty much the I, I wrote a lot of it, but I, I'm not in. There's three of us, you know. I'm not in masses of it. Um, right. And the tricks I do in that are not the most original thing it's like illusions and stuff so it's not, it's not really ready. but but my show uh, my solo show is, is a lot of original stuff in it and uh, well it's always all more or less original and basically that started with i was just coming up with these sort of 10 minute spots because i was doing a lot of comedy clubs and cabaret events and, and nightclubs and whatnot and so you sort of need these like 10 minute spots to do and festivals and whatnot uh, you need these 10 minute spots so i was like okay well what could work and then I had this idea for the mouse trap trick just because I bought a lot of mouse traps and I was sort of like, as a, it was actually DeCru- Harry De Cruz that said to me because I do, I do this bit of a mouse trap where I put it on my tongue, which I used to do in the show, and then I made the joke about having fifty mouse traps and Harry was like, "What can you do with fifty mouse traps?" Like as a bit of theatre, that is a really cool item. Like so, we started thinking about maybe they're on strings and they were all set and I run through them like as a stunt or like, and then the ultimate one was okay. Well, what if I could do a card catch with them? And so it came from that. And then that suddenly is now a 10 minute routine. And so you test it out at a comedy club. Okay, it works. People love it. And it became like a, it's a, it's a, a mouse trap is a weird item. So people now, oh, my series popped up. Sorry. Uh, mouse trap is like a weird item. So people, yeah, people, people know about it. Um, but yeah, and so, so I know it's going to work on stage. I don't know. You just, you just know it's bigger than, than the clothes. I can't perform that close up. So you know it's bigger than that. And then uh, eventually you sort of have a lot of these, 10 minute spots and you see a sort of show start to form because you can see the 
the sort of links between each one. Um, and so it's pretty, it sort of just comes together by itself. If you have enough time, obviously you can sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to write a show right now. And what most people end up doing is writing down every stage trick they've ever done before and put it into a show. And then suddenly it's, it's just a magic show. There's no narrative there or anything. Whereas you come up with the, the idea for the show first and then you can take tricks and put them in. And even if it's like, even if it's like, oh, I don't think I'd work on stage, you'll find a way to, to make it big. You can, you can take any trick and make it bigger, right? Whether it's a card trick and use a jumbo deck or, um, or you just increase the, di like you, you can make cards across a stage trick by just spreading out the distance, right? You just move those people a little bit further apart and, and add right. some other stuff and, and things like that. So you can, you can, you can very easily just, uh, I, I would say the narrative is probably the most important part, but equally you can, a narrative can be as simple as I'm going to show you my dad's favorite tricks. And then you talk about mm -hmm. different moments where you show So it's very easy to make a magic show that you think is just a magic show into a narrative of a show. Um, mm -hmm. but equally, I'm not the best person to ask about narratives because my show barely has a narrative in it, but, uh, <laughs> It, it, more, more like there's there's a beginning and a middle and an end which is which is more than there enough you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's the main the thing right parts. Yeah. yeah just an narrative okay. so question yes. sounds like you work quite a lot with comedians and you kind of dabble in comedy yourself from what i, do, what I yeah. can see what do you think magicians can learn from comedians so much actually and um, cut all the shit out that's not important in your trick which is something which took me ages to realize but actually every time you're building up tension for a trick by well it's a bit different with magic because you can fill in i just learned to it's very easy to make suspense by being on the count of three and then like if you look at any street performer they take about 10 minutes to do one trick right which isn't a bad thing but there's better ways to fill that time than you know just just like like interrupting yourself and telling shitty jokes or like whatever but i think um one thing i learned to stand up which is cut out all the shit right so basically, if you're if you're right if you're writing a stand-up routine, you anything that doesn't get a laugh and it's not relevant, it's not if you if there's enough context to get a laugh, everything else you can strip out. So what's you know a paragraph of a joke, like a really long-winded joke, mm -hmm. you can very easily just take out everything that's the context you need for the punchline to work. You just take mm -hmm. it out and put and put it in, and suddenly it makes it a lot more direct. And I, like obviously storytelling is nice and magic and that's not what i'm talking about because if you can create a really nice story that's almost like a you're almost creating a one-man play between your one-person play sorry between you and the, and the spectator which i think is nice and i think that's important but right. if it's not you know completely relevant and you're just telling someone about your day and you can see then like you know a classic example is if someone says oh my god i had the craziest dream last night it's not relevant. I don't really care about your dream last night, to be honest, because it didn't happen. It's something yeah. you like. I could be like, "Oh my god, I just made up this thing right now." Do you want to hear about it? No, I don't want to hear for five minutes about something your brain's just made up. Like it's not. It's not important. So I think that's one thing you can learn from stand up. Uh, and another thing is connecting with the audience, because so many magicians do their act and come off stage, and they don't make any effort to actually connect with people, which is something. Mm -hmm comedians do really well like one one um, comedian he told me he taught me something which i do is a really nice tip which is that if you stay at the back wall of your stage or, or wherever you obviously don't like you know if it's one-on-one -on -one, don't walk a mile away from them but if you if you mm -hmm. stay a bit back the more you think they like you the closer you, you get to them right so mm -hmm. in this case as a stage i am not saying if you're a wedding magician that you should end up getting off with them by you know two minutes yeah. in. but um <laughs> But when you're on stage, it's actually quite a nice thing. It's like, okay, well, you start the, you know, the back wall has everything you need, right? You start the back wall, mm -hmm. 
and then you the more they think you like you come closer because a lot of magicians they come out and they go to the front of the stage like whoa you know it's very close you know mm-hmm. um so i think that's a, that's another nice thing um i think actually one thing which magicians do which uh comedians don't do and i love the fact that comedians don't do it is joke jokes like there's a di- you can warm up a crowd that is fine and that is the mc's job or if that's your first thing you do you say if you see something you love you're gonna give me a round of applause Woo, that's great mm-hmm. that's what every every mc does it that's fine you're warming up the crowd but when a magician does a thing like i was so impressed i also forgot to clap can you imagine if a comedian did that and it came out and said I also found that joke so funny I forgot to laugh. It's not no, like do you know what I mean? Like, if, if you're doing something, yeah, if you're doing something that's good, they're gonna clap, they're gonna laugh, they're gonna they're gonna cheer. Just be better, you know. Don't ask for that kind of stuff. It's a pity clap otherwise, and that clap is not for you. Um, so yeah, uh, I think there's there's a lot, there's so much, and I would and Jack Rhodes is is uh, I don't know if he's probably been on this podcast. Have you had him on the podcast? We, we haven't had him on, but I, I have I have spoke with him. Okay, so Jack time. Jack Rhodes well, is not uh, him, I met him. a lovely guy. He's great, and he's uh, sort of primarily a YouTuber now, I guess. Um, but he used to he he was in the stand up circuit uh, up north for a bit in like Manchester and stuff, um, and sort of you know between the Lake District and and mm-hmm. wherever else. But he's he says that he says that every magician, if you want to be like a really good performing magician, you should try out stand up for a bit because you learn so much so quickly and also one thing i will say is i very recently started doing stand-up without any magic so just doing five minutes with no magic and the way that i got to that was like i'd go i started doing stand-up where i do like a bit of magic at the end or a bit of magic at the start and i started leaving it as long as i could before i actually Mm -hmm. did uh, a trick so i'd be like okay well i'm doing a five minute set tonight let me do four minutes of stand-up and i'll do one quick trick at the end And and obviously it starts as like you do one minute of jokes and then you do four minutes of magic and, and, and but now i can comfortably go on stage for five minutes about anything and even just getting to that point was so humbling because you realize actually as a public speaker how awful you are without mm-hmm. magic mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, magic gives you something to talk about do you know what i mean but actually like just talking about what you're up to is is mental and also you you learn um you can say something about toastmasters i guess you learn a lot about speaking though from from stand up like how and the main thing for me was connecting with the audience and even like basic crowd work skills which no magician does and i'm really awful at crowd work like i am god there's a bit in insane magic and a script literally just says loop crowd work because they thought i could do that mm. and it's me asking <laughs> someone like oh what's your name chloe oh chloe that's so funny last year i had chloe midia no well shit what like i just get i get so i'm so awful at it, but uh mm-hmm. but it but it's a fun thing that i think if you can if you can incorporate a bit of it into your show you're connecting with the audience you know you're asking about how to, the audience learns so much about you you learn nothing about the audience you just look like mm-hmm. a dickhead so mm-hmm. i don't know there's yeah. a lot you can learn from stand up and i encourage yeah. people I, i'll tell i'll tell you now you won't make any money from it because you'll end up just doing open mic spots and the thing with magic is if you do magic at comedy clubs, it's very easy to fast track yourself just by being a comedy magician, which is what I did. Because if someone books me as a magician at a comedy night, I can very easily get booked as a headliner. Mm-hmm. But quite often what I do now is I'm actually like, you know what? No, I just want to do five minutes of stand up. Give me an opening spot. I'll do 10 minutes or whatever. Like mm-hmm. That's so much more of a challenge and, and you'll learn a lot more from it than, yeah, I could do, I could do a magic trick in my sleep. But stand up mm-hmm. is actually... You've got to, not only have you got to remember the script, you've got to remember the delivery and then you've got to remember to connect mm-hmm. and engage. And it's just so much it goes. It's a completely new skill set to me, yeah. but I've only been doing stand up for, for a year or so. Um, but yeah, I encourage people to 
watch more stand up, learn about it, just just see what's. It's very similar to magic in a sense that in a magic trick you have the lead up and then you have the the sort of finale to a trick, the, mm-hmm. which is a reaction point. Same with a joke, right? You have the sort of context and uh, and then you have your punchline. It's the same thing in, in principle and the science of it and the sort of formula is all is all the same. But um, yeah, it's worth looking into for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from what I'm he- from what I'm hearing and just from my like perception of both industries, I feel like magicians can get away with being less skilled performers just because they're also doing magic. But yeah, just, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah, so if you kind of, like you were saying, you you try out stand-up and you sort of like put yourself through that gauntlet first, yeah. then when you go back to magic, you've just sort of refined so much. It's like your magic is still just as good. Yeah. But you as a speaker, performer, like crowd pleaser are just so much better. For sure, yeah. I mean, the, the good thing about magic is that you can be... An awful performer but if your magic tricks good you've got that to rely on as a backup sort of reaction that's the it's sort of a blessing and a curse because it is really nice when i first go and stand up to actually you know if i'm bombing hard at least i've got a trick to save me at the end and it's such a nice safety net that a lot of new stand-ups and comics don't have and that's where you see people sort of like delving into prop comedy and stuff because they're like well that'll get mm-hmm. a good reaction that's fine mm-hmm. i don't mind prop comedy but you know um but I think so it's important to, to, to just stand up is so humbling, man. Like, it's important to realize actually your magic, most of the time your magic is getting a reaction, not you. Mm-hmm. you know? But if you want to be a better performer, a better showman, like look at Darren, right? He could go on stage mm-hmm. without, you could pour a glass of water on stage and have yeah. 10,000 people captivated <laughs> by it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. look at like, look at some of Darren's older stuff, like where he's doing the light bulb eating um, with this, with the spectator. And he's just captivated like a thousand people to watch him effectively eat an apple. Do you know what I mean? But it's like the most amazing bit of showmanship you'll see, and you can, you can just learn so much from it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Another question about the whole comedy thing. I once watched a video. I think it was from Chris Ramsey, um, and he was talking about sort of the magic industry, where we're going, the future of magic, sort of like the changes that have been happening in magic. And he compared magic to comedy as an industry. And he yeah. talked about, actually, it was something you yourself sort of raised earlier in this podcast, which is, you know, comedians can't just go up on stage and use other comedians' work. And in terms of magic as an industry, he was like, magic right now is still telling knock-knock jokes. Yeah, oh, 100%. It's a joke book, we right? So a magic much, book is yeah. a joke book. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's crazy. That's the reason why very few magicians have Netflix specials. Because... If you start opening it up to mm. magicians, you're going to see so much of the same material. If you if you if you go see, right, and nothing against cruise ship workers because I want to work in cruises, so I can't mm-hmm. slag anyone off. But <laughs> if you go watch ten cruise ship shows, I guarantee at least a quarter of it will be the same. Like as in, that's not the best way. Mm. I didn't work that very well, but you know what I mean. Like there's so much. Yeah. There's a reason why. So, Vanishing Bandana is completely banned on cruise ships. You're not allowed to do it because you get blacklisted from uh, from mm. cruise liners for doing it because it's just everyone does it. And it's one of those things where it's like, you're actually not oh. doing anything to do it. Mm-hmm. Like you're you as a person, as a performer, you have not. If you perform that trick, oh my gosh, you've not added anything to it. You're doing mm-hmm. someone else's material. You're doing someone else's trick. All you're doing is putting a banana in. And oh my god, he said banana. It's a bandana. Yeah, you know, it's not actually. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the reason why like Netflix specials and stuff don't really, it it won't it won't really ever happen unless it's mm-hmm. you know, someone like Darren or, or some absolutely massive name. 
Whereas a comedian can actually quite, not easily, obviously not easily, but a comedian can go up through the ranks and they can film a special and they can upload it to YouTube or to, to Vimeo or whatever and sell that as a, as a thing. Um, the magicians, obviously you can, you can record, you know, I plan on uh, this fringe recording my um, sort of one hour show just, and I don't know what I'll do with it yet, but it's just nice mm-hmm. to have, it's, even if mm-hmm. it, it doesn't get posted or anything, it's just nice to have. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's weird. And yeah, you, Chris makes a really good point in that. And not, so not, not jokes and joke, there, there are shows that do joke book shows, right? Where they do like 101 mm-hmm. dad jokes, or whatever. And I don't know. I don't understand why you'd see it, but it's not nothing in that's original. Whereas that is exactly what magicians are doing. It's all, mm-hmm. you, you learn a trick, you learn exactly how to perform and perform to it and you do it that way. And it's, it's insane that magic's yeah. gone away with it. Magic will also never be as popular as comedy ever because uh, well, firstly, I mean, not, not as many people like it. But that's 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 relevant. But comedy, <laughs> co- comedy and music, comedy and music are completely different because you only have to listen to it to find it funny, mm-hmm. right? Whereas magic, you really have to pay attention. If the person's not even funny, you've got to pay attention to the to the story of it, then you've got to look at what's actually happening to make okay, yeah, 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 you know, he's doing that. But maybe mind readers might you could argue that you only have to listen to someone doing pure mentalism, but even then pure mentalism is not, I wouldn't listen to a podcast and be like, wow, how's he doing that? Cause it's not happening yeah. to me, you know, like it's, it's just, mm-hmm. whereas you listen to a comedian, you hear it, you have an effect on it. You're like, oh, that's, that's really funny. Right. Like you, mm-hmm. that, that affects you personally. Whereas a magic trick, if you don't see it, you don't, you don't know if it's happening. So it's like, it just takes a lot more uh, uh, extra stuff. And um, that's why, that's why comedy works so well at like, uh, like music festivals, they can have a comedy tent because you can have someone slightly tipsy still understand it. Whereas you put like a wedding magician up there, they're not going to know what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, that's that's really interesting, man. This this time, honestly, this time has gone really fast. We might need to have you back on again, Luke. Because <laughs> I, I I've actually been like, uh, I've been really engrossed. Like this 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 time has gone really really fast. So thank you for everything you're sharing because it's no actually super freaking interesting. At least to me. Hopefully to the listeners. You know, maybe I'm just a massive yeah. magic nerd. Yeah. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do another one and maybe we'll do another one and talk because I talked just so much about performing comedy and we haven't really talked about creating like at all. Yeah. And I feel like we've that might successfully, be more. Yeah. We persuaded every magician listening to become a comedian, so that's good. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, please don't. All my work will be gone. <laughs> no, no, comedy actually sucks. It's not. It's not good. Yeah. It's not. Good. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's People not won't find you know funny. how much they pay the magicians, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. It's not, where's the thing, right? It's why it's so depressing because even even if right, you get to the point where you're doing paid gigs, yeah, which is that's the big bucks, right? You do a comedy mm-hmm. play in front of two hundred people. You get 150 quid for a 10 minute spot, and you're going to be there all night. Whereas I can go to a wedding and get like five, six hundred quid from doing a couple, you know, a few hours, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, right. it's one of those things where it's really a lot of people. I think comedy is one of the things before where people drop out of it so quickly. Because the difference is with magic, you learn a trick, you show someone, you get a reaction really quickly. Comedy it takes you a long time before you can actually like make someone laugh out of out of your own material you know and mm-hmm, just to get right. everything right and then even then you're still not getting paid and, it, and 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 even when you make it to the point of doing paid gigs and i think i can't remember how many gigs you're meant to but it's about it's about 100 or 200 gigs before you start getting paid gigs or something and then yes. even then you're only getting paid like 100 quid and yeah it's more fun because you're on stage but it's not it's not magic money is it like it's not it, it, it 
Magic is easier. That's what I'm saying. But (laughs) (laughs) a lot more lucrative. Yeah. We don't. We don't. We're going to stop you, bro. We're the ones with the magic podcast, right? We're not. We're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Actually, talking of which, talking of paid gigs. That was maybe this can be uh, we can kind of like close this up hopefully with like a little bow and come back maybe and talk about creativity in another podcast. Yeah. Um, but I am interested to know like obviously it's like quite a big leap to go from learning I don't know like making your own material in your parents' house to like doing a hundred shows, <laughs> you know. So I'm interested to know like how if someone's out there that's like you know what like I'm convinced. I want to go perform like I'm done being in my house. Like I want to go out and, and, and see if I got the chops. Where, where yeah. would they start Luke? Where, where did you start and how can people uh, actually start performing magic and making money with it? Okay. Stage magic in particular or close up because close up is well, well, also not a lot of people, uh, I can talk about close up, but stage, stage, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, cause I went down a comedy route, so it, made right. it because comedy gigs are a lot easier to find than no no one really it's very hard to find someone's pay you to do stage magic i found without <laughs> being really good because because it just doesn't just doesn't i mean honestly my best advice would actually be if you well try it a few times to your friends and, and ha- have a little night where you're like you know i'm gonna try a stage and then genuinely the best way to uh to do it is to actually just host your own night because well, you have to know some people to do that, right? Because you have to you have to get acts on and whatnot. But if you live in a city, you could host a little night that's called whatever, some kind of magic night. You could just try it out and just offer it to sort of maybe offer it to a pub like that has a function room. Be like, hey, can I do a show here? And do it do it as a charity night if you want. Just if you but but to actually get like ten minute spots, comedy is not a bad route to go down. There's a lot of cabaret clubs as well that will hire you um, to do it. Street performing is a very good way to get into it, but it takes a lot of balls. I've never done it because I uh-huh. don't really know if it's something I want to do. Maybe maybe yeah. one day, but I just I don't know if it's for me. But yeah. um but I know a lot of people that, that wanted to get into performing stage and they just started off by street performing. Uh-huh. Because you know, because you can create your own audience that way and it's and it's quite nice. Um charity events and, and stuff and like galas and, and, and whatnot and any variety show you can find, but yeah, it's only stage gigs are actually now you say it without without running your own shows, quite difficult to do. Like if you look yeah. at any shows I'm doing, we're we're quite rarely booked to do a stage gig, you know. Uh-huh. Like unless it's unless it's a comedy night or a cabaret night, uh, or something at Edinburgh Fringe, I'm never really booked to do a uh-huh. to do a stage gig. It's mainly putting on you know your own shows and your own tours and and stuff like that. It's uh-huh. a tough question, but. You yeah. sort of got to make your own luck with these kinds of things, which is why I guess uh-huh. I've just put on my own shows. Yeah, every path's different. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks. Uh, we'll, we'll close out the main podcast with that final question. I know that was a tough one, so thanks for digging no deep. Um, before we end up, before we close up, where should people go to find more, find more of you? Uh, you can probably my Instagram is the best place, at Luke Ozy, Luke O-S-E-Y, and you'll, uh, you'll find my Instagram, and I post all my stuff on there. It's mainly just me promoting stuff, to be honest. But there's, there's sometimes there's magic on there. Cool. <laughs> um, but like quite quite rarely, I haven't posted magic trick in in months actually. But um, so no, sometimes there's there's magic on there. At the minute, it's mainly uh, actually stand up clips because 
and that seems to be what's going viral on Instagram at the minute. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to hop on that trend yeah. and just post as much stand up as I can. But um, sometimes, sometimes there's a magic trick. And also, I post all my tour dates and uh, or wherever I am and, and stuff. I, I'm not really lecturing at the minute anymore. I did like my last lecture in uh-huh. Cambridge, and it was a very good lecture. But I sort of, I did it, and I, and as soon as I did, I was like, I, I think that's gonna be the last one. I don't really. About halfway through it, actually, I said to him, I was like, yeah, I think it's gonna be the last lecture I did. It was a very good lecture, and people enjoyed uh-huh. it. It was just more. It's yeah. just not what I want to do anymore. Like yeah. you know, showing people. Spend the time. Um, yeah, but uh, I've got a book which is coming out. That's the next thing, and then that'll be on my Instagram, and that's probably the next magicy thing for magicians I'm doing it for a little while. But yeah, perfect. Well, thank you, Luke. It's a pleasure. No worries. No worries. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>